Right, can I firstly welcome all the members of the public present this evening, as well as those who might be listening into the broadcast. Um, but I also remind all members please to switch on their microphones and switch off when they've finished. And for the benefit of those who are listening to the broadcast, when a vote is taken, I will state whether it was unanimous or the numbers for and against. So num uh, members, you'll also note that on the published agenda pack there have been some supplementary packs issued. The proposed changes to the Uttlesford taxi licensing policies, which have been referred to Council from the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee for the Council's endorsement. Secondly, the report from the portfolio holder for housing. And thirdly, the report from the portfolio, portfolio holder for environmental services and a proposed amendment to the motion on library services. Uh, just before we start, um, I would advise members and the public that I'm going to be taking the um, agenda slightly out of order. After the minutes, I propose that we take item 19, that is Councillor Light's motion, and then item 14, the address by the Youth Council. Uh, there are two registered speakers tonight, so we'll move on to the public speaking, and could I invite Mr. Brett to come and speak? Mr. Brett is not here. Right, do we have Mr. Freighter? Would you like to come and speak? Good evening, Council. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my name is Andrew Freighter. I'm the Vice Chairman of Thaxton Parish Council. Um, I'm here, I guess, just to support the motion in the libraries this evening. And also to say um, that I want to thank the District Administration um, for the vocal and promised financial support, which is most welcomed by the Parish Council, but also for the residents of Thaxted, um, and not just Thaxted, but also Binsall, the Bardfields, the Eastons, and the Sanfords. It really is a, a community hub for us. What I'd like to request is, as a Conservative Administration, that this body brings every pressure to bear, takes every opportunity, and joins everybody in Thaxted in opposition to the removal of the access to our wider National Library Network in Thaxted. Further, your commitment to assist Thaxted Library and its trained librarians to remain in place, but that commitment goes beyond May 2019 and long into the future. So I, I really do appreciate your efforts um, and your appearance to us as County Council to keep others for libraries as vibrant as they are. Thank you. That's fine if you'd like to come up, Mr. Everett. Before I say my piece, I'd just like to mention that I've worked for 28 years in public libraries, for three years in library, uh, university, one of the university college libraries in Cambridge, 
and I've also spent 15 years working in the voluntary library sector and have been on, on two, uh, national committees of two uh, historic library organisations, the Association of Independent Libraries and the Historic Libraries Forum. And I'm speaking this evening in support of the motion on libraries because the cuts in the library service are a continuation of a failed policy towards libraries that have seen several years of budget cuts already, resulting in cuts in opening hours, cuts in staffing, and cuts in the number of books available in libraries. The result of these cuts is severe. The budget has been cut from the equivalent of £29 million in 1998-99 to just over £11 million today. As a consequence, the number of readers has fallen and the number of items borrowed has fallen. It's time to reverse a failed policy. The cuts are not austerity driven, but the result of a choice. Essex has substantial reserves and does not need to cut library budgets yet again to balance its books. Essex County Council has a legal duty to provide an efficient and comprehensive service to everyone who lives and or works in Essex under the Public Libraries Act of 1964. Yet it currently plans to close 44 of its libraries, which provide a service to about one third of its users. True, it is prepared to see some of these libraries run by other organisations, using volunteers instead of staff. But let's be very clear about this. Those libraries will not be providing the comprehensive statutory service that Essex is legally obliged to provide. People served by those libraries that are affected with closure will still be paying the council tax to the county council for the comprehensive service that Essex will no longer be providing to them. Uttlesford District Council is already committed to opposing the closure of libraries and to working with the County Council to keep libraries open. But it is vitally important that any support the District Council provides is conditional on those libraries being kept open as part of the County Council's statutory service to make sure that those people who are paying for the full service get the full service. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Freighter. Uh, right, so moving on um, to apologies. Um, I see Councillor Wiles is here. So I have apologies from Councillor Jones. Are there any others? Councillor Davies. Councillor Davies. Councillor Felton. Councillor Lodge. Councillor Lodge. Councillor Richard Freeman. And Councillor Richard Freeman. And Councillor Foley for lateness is stuck on an accident on the M11. Yeah. Thank you. Right, the next item, uh, are there any declarations of in interest? Oh, council Arthur, right. Any declarations of interest? Staff and Walden Town Council. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so we move on to the minutes of the meeting held on the 4th of, De uh, 4th of December. Um, the draft minutes of the meeting held on the 21st of February. Are there correct records? Sorry, Madam Chairman. Uh, just with reference to item C72, budget proposals, item 20. 
Um, just for the record, my colleague, Lady Councillor Fairhurst, spoke at some length of that meeting, and there seems to be no reference at all to his name once in that in the, in the minutes. I think the minutes should reflect an accurate reflection of, of what actually happened. If someone could just put that in, please. Okay, thank you, Councillor Gerald. Um, right, we're moving on then. We'll move on to Councillor Light's motion on the library services. Um, it's been brought forward because it was postponed from last um, meeting in February. So I would like to invite Councillor Light to propose her motion. Thank you, Chair. Um, I will just read this motion out. This Council recognises that libraries well-being and community activities. Any library closures or reductions in services will disproportionately affect the well-being of children and young families, the elderly, the unemployed and other vulnerable groups and increase their social isolation. We condemn the unnecessary cuts that are being proposed by Essex County Council and we will not allow the removal of services from any library in the district of Uttlesford. Instead, as a council committed to enhancing the well-being of our community, we will invest in and develop our libraries. And that is the motion. Um, I would like to speak to it now, if I may. So, thank you. So, Madam Chair, fellow councillors, I'm not going to make a speech quoting data and statistics because that has already been done and why would I when the data that Essex County Council has used to justify library closures is so flawed that it could not be used by a primary school child writing a school project. Why would I use complicated statistics when the savings that Essex would make by closing Thaxted and Stansted libraries is only around £12,000 a year which is less than the minimum wage. Why would I use flawed statistics like this so-called library strategy has when instead of counting footfall and the real use of libraries as social community spaces, only book and computer transactions were counted? And why would I use data when we see that £400,000 has been spent in this consultation which would fund 23 or 30% of the current libraries in Essex for a year or fund Thaxted and Stansted libraries for 30 years, according to Essex County Council's own numbers. No, councillors, chair, it's wrong to use the same data that Essex has used to justify its decision to close the 44 libraries before the consultation had even commenced. We've had enough of data. Instead, I appeal to each and every one of you sitting in this chamber today Think of the young families with little children who go to libraries to read books, to pick them up, to share them, to look at the pictures, or to take them home. Or they go to listen to story time and they play with other children. Think of the elderly who go to libraries to chat or to read the papers. Maybe it's their only chance to talk with another human being in the entire day. Think of those who have no access to computers and they may be looking for work. Think of the students who go into study and think of those who attend clubs and events in libraries. Libraries are at the heart of our communities. We must invest in them and not divest ourselves of them. They are places of learning, of social inclusion and of simple human warmth. So here in this chamber we talk about investing millions, yet we cannot spare a few words, 
to condemn these cuts and to commit to investing in our libraries and in our communities. I would urge you, councillors, today to vote in favour of my original motion and reject the amendment. Together, let us vote to invest in our libraries. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Uh, councillor... Councillor Lees, sorry. Yeah. Do, you wish to, do you wish to speak to it? Right, I've been advised that uh, Councillor Wolfe, you wish to propose an amendment. Thank you, uh, <coughs> Madam Chairman. And um, there is a lot of similarity between uh, uh, what, the, what has been proposed and what I'm going to say, but there are some changes of words. Uh, now, I hope that all councillors have, um, have the amendment in front of them. It was issued with all the papers. I can read it out, uh, which perhaps I should. This council recognises that libraries make a significant contribution to education, well-being and community activities. Any library closures or reductions in services could potentially affect the well-being of children and young families, the elderly, the unemployed and other vulnerable groups, and increase their social isolation. At the December Council meeting, it was resolved this Council asked the Cabinet Member for Communities and Partnerships to work with Essex County Council, Parish Town Councils, voluntary organisations and residents to explore ways in which the library service in Uttlesford is maintained and enhanced in light of the County Council's major consultation on the proposed future strategy for the county's libraries, and we will continue to do this. So uh, this is the key point, uh, Madam Chairman, which is why I uh, want you to reject the original motion. But the spirit is absolutely still there. And I am on record that no library will close in Uttlesford. So, uh, I, as I say, there is not a lot of difference between us. It is uh, not... Uh, we, we don't run libraries... Uh, and we must be crystal clear that we don't run libraries, and the idea that we will run libraries is unfortunately a misunderstanding. But what we can do is to work with Essex County Council, and that might include making a financial contribution to make it more attractive for Essex to continue to run our libraries, and those discussions are absolutely going on as we speak. Uh, we're, we're only talking about two libraries. Uh, uh, Saffron Walden and Dunmo are not closing. We're talking about Stansted, where I've spoken several times uh, with uh, the Parish Council, and indeed with Thaxted, where, again, we've done the same thing. The other side to this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, we must recognise what is happening in terms of the use of libraries, embrace that, but make sure that the community does not lose out. So if the community wants to borrow books, wants to meet in a hub, then it should absolutely be able to do that. But some of our facilities, and I think uh, Stansted, the new uh, community centre at uh, Stansted is a classic example. So much more will be going on there uh, and we need to take all our assets, which includes actually our day centres, something we might come on to later, so that we have got a full range of facilities for the young, the old and uh, those who uh, wish to uh, embrace uh, what they have to offer. So not arguing with keeping libraries open, I'm recognising the reality that Uttlesford does not run libraries. Uh, we are in advanced discussion with Essex County Council who have finished their consultation but have not announced the outcome. So this is premature. Um, 
and uh, we will continue that negotiation. And as I said, uh, after the election, we are committed to maintaining every library in Uttlesford remaining open. So I think that's probably enough for now, Chairman. So I propose that amendment. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Oh, Councillor Ranger. Do you wish to speak? No, right, we'll open it up to debate. Councillor, yeah, we're debating the amendment. Councillor Knight. Um, at the risk of appearing a dumb blonde, um, I'd like to actually have it more clarified. What exactly is the difference between Councillor Lights and Councillor Rolfs? Because they are so similar. Um, I'd like to know what, why there is the amendment, what the difference is that makes it thing. Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I'd like to answer that. There are differences. We are told that the same spirit means the same thing, just an amendment. Well, not entirely. One of the words we've taken out is it will affect. No, no, we can't say that. That's not nice. It could possibly affect. Well, that's a little bit watered down and softened. That's fine. But the big difference is that the first statement says that this council condemns unnecessary cuts. We don't want to condemn unnecessary cuts, do we? We want to encourage unnecessary cuts. We don't want to condemn them. We want to work together with people. I love the wordplay. I wasn't going to talk today, but I love the wordplay. You see, we talk about consultation. Now, the question I have about consultation is, how many of the 20,000 people who responded said, yay, let's close the libraries? Not many, I would guess. But we've had a consultation. And we're told as well that we're not going to close any libraries. Well, we actually are. What we told, in fact, was that Saffron Walden, we mentioned Saffron Walden, won't close. We might just reduce the hours until such time as it has to close because no one ever goes there anymore. We're going to reduce the service. We've been told both things, by the way. We're not going to close. We're going to keep them open at all costs. The funny thing is this, and this is really the issue. This same strategy that encourages us all to participate as volunteers to take over the services of libraries that are not necessary... They're either not necessary or we shouldn't be investing them. We either have an obligation because they are necessary or they're not necessary and there's no need for anyone to, to volunteer to run them anymore. Take a, take a position on this. These are two different things. One is a, a suggestion is let's condemn out of hand the closure and the reduction of service of our libraries in, in Essex or let's not condemn it. Let's allow it and work together with them to see what happens. Thank you, Councillor Sell. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I was, as you know, the original proposer back in December, which fortunately was passed unanimously. I'm not that keen. I've got reservations about the motion. I've got reservations about the amendment. And because for me, neither fully addressed the issue. And the issue is, of course, it is about retention of Stanford and Facts to Library. But under what guise? I'm a firm believer, and there's nothing in the motion or the amendment which actually addresses this, that those libraries should be part of the Essex Library Network. They should be staffed by professional librarians because too often we get libraries in other parts of the UK which are run by volunteers. They're kept open but are not part of the county network. 
I believe that growing communities such as Stanton and Thaxted need a professional library service and to be part of the Essex Library Network where anyone can request a book in Essex, where it's in Brightlingsea or Brentwood, they can get that book to them in Thaxted or Stansted. So I, I would have liked the amendment and the motion to actually address that, because I think both are missing part of the kernel of the argument, and that's a regret. Uh, so I'm speaking to the amendment. I may speak to the motion later on if I'm allowed. But so I, I, I'm in a dilemma. In I can understand where both are coming from, and I have a great deal of sympathy with both coming from. But my dilemma is I don't think either fully address the issue that we are facing. Thank you, Councillor Rolf. Thank you, Councillor Sell. As always, you've hit, uh, you've put your finger right on the point. There are three key elements to the library. There's the building that it's in, which we Uttlesford can sort out. It might cost us money, but we can sort it out. There's the availability of books, which, as you so rightly say, means being part of the Essex Library Service, which we do not run. And there is having people in the library who are, have some knowledge. I think we need to be clear, there are only two fully qualified librarians in Essex. So the very good people who are in our libraries are, are not necessarily librarians, and therefore we, we, we can obviously uh, train others to do what they are doing, which is supporting members of the public uh, and obviously administering the books. So I think it's very important. Now, why this motion is ill-timed is because we are in advanced discussions with Essex who are considering the responses to the consultation and we would hope the bits that we can't control would be dealt with. Because there's also an ordering service, as you probably know, which is an electronic service, which obviously you need to be part of that as well. So the mechanics, we're very keen to be able to work with Essex. Uh, and I believe we will be able to work with Essex but we are not Essex County Council, and we must be crystal clear, we are not Essex County Council. And the reason, just going back to uh, Ms. Councillor Fairhurst's rhetoric, um, why would we condemn Essex County Council? We are a partner with Essex County Council. They're running their council, actually, extremely effectively, and we are running ours. We don't particularly want them to condemn us, and we're not going to condemn them. They're doing a due diligence process because the world is moving on, and they're, they're, they're studying a subject in depth. That is a perfectly legitimate thing to do. So, again, I come back. Uh, there is a difference, Councillor Knight, which you broadly had pointed out to you, um, that we are not disproportionately, we could potentially affect, and we're not condemning, um, and uh, we, we are pointing out that we do not run libraries. We're doing what we can to support the libraries in Uttlesford, and we will do that, but we don't. The, the motion suggests that we actually run the libraries. We don't. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Foley. Thank you. Um, just the first thing about librarians, and only having two trained librarians to a certain extent that's semantics because 
There are lots of trained people that work in the libraries. It, it's a cha- it was a change of name as much as, a, as anything else. So don't be under any illusion that people are well trained in libraries to do the job. I'm sure you didn't mean that, Councillor Rolf, but you... Right. So only having two trained librarians is, a, I think, just semantics. Insofar as the motions are concerned, I will back the, uh, the uh, Councillor Light's motion because I feel that the, uh, they should be condemned uh, for the actions that were taken because it risks uh, reducing the uh, amount of staff that are there. Councillor Rolfe's already said that we will not run libraries. So the only people that can make the decision about the staffing and running the libraries is Essex County Council, and they should be condemned for doing what they've done. It's a reduction in service and an important part of the communities. It's a relatively small amount of money, I agree, and we've already uh, discussed that. And for that very reason, we should not be uh, uh, cutting staff hours. Thank you. Right, if no one else wishes to speak, oh, Councillor Asker. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I'd just like to pick up on a point that was raised by Councillor Rolfe, so hence I cannot support his amendment. Um, You mentioned, Councillor Rolfe, about Essex County Council moving forward. Times are changing. Um, They are in lots of ways and and shapes and forms. Um, And to be specific that Essex County Council run the libraries, which you're absolutely right, they do at this point in time, somewhat seems that you overlook a point that things are moving on and things are moving forward. Um, As a town councillor, I can recall, and I'm sure many of my colleagues can around the table, of how many services Saffron Warden Town Council has taken on from Uttlesford District Council. So in areas of local government where certain uh, areas and uh, services are being devolved to smaller councils, there's nothing to say in the future that this won't be devolved. Councillor Dean. I'll I'll start by picking up the point that uh, Councillor Asker made just then about potential future devolution. I mean, the reality is that that's not where we are at the moment, and that's where, why I did have problems with the wording of the original motion where it says will not allow. I mean, in, in that, this authority is, is not uh, authorised through legislation to allow or disallow uh, library services because the statutory responsibility does last uh, rest elsewhere. I'm wondering whether I, I, I didn't, I don't remember exa- what the key points were that, um, that, that Councillor Sell made, but uh, the dialogue between Councillor Sell and Councillor Rolfe, I'm wondering whether there's something from that Councillor Rolfe, uh, Sell talked about that could be incorporated and that, that Councillor Rolfe might be in- willing to incorporate into his amendment just to expand the scope of it slightly and make it a, a little bit more comprehensive. I'm not going to propose the amendment myself. Uh, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. As Cabinet Member for Libraries at Essex, um, I will declare an interest. Um, Members, we live in very tough times, and libraries have changed. Um, I received about 1,000 emails and letters about the library consultation, and they all start the same. Libraries are about more than just borrowing books. 
Very few people actually mention borrowing books, and we can see that from the footfall figures. Um, people want a safe place to meet, to have a chat, to have a cup of coffee. They might like to use the loo. Most of our libraries don't have loos. They don't have somewhere you can make a cup of coffee. There isn't a big enough space to meet. We need to change the way we're working. We need to make good community spaces for people. And that is what this is all about. And it's great that we're stirring up enthusiasm. But actually, criticising the county council, we have to work to them on local plans, on highways. We will never get anything done. And if we are totally agonistic, or what, if that's the right word, against the county council, we will not be doing ourselves any favours. We need to work with them over this. And, you know, I have met Stanford Parish Council. Thackeray Parish Council haven't asked me for a meeting. If they did, um, I would gladly meet with them, with their county councillor. But you might be pleased to hear, I'm not going to tell you who, but I have had three community organisations expressing an interest in helping us keep Thackeray, Stanford, and working with us at Dunmo, which is a tier two library. And that's brilliant. But until I know the outcome of those discussions, I can't say, whoopee, Thaxted is saved, from the County Council point of view, because we need to make sure that we don't have a solution for today and tomorrow, but that we have a long-term viable solution. I have 74 libraries across Essex. I have over 50 expressions of interest from community groups, parish councils and other people wanting to work with us. Uttlesford have said they'll work with us. Another borough council says they'll work with us. That's an unparished area, so a slightly different scenario. But we can make this work. But we've got to work together and not be at loggerheads about it, not say, woe is the county council, they're doing this to us. Have the discussions and do a good thing with us, because that way we will make the right sort of places for people that are a bit more modern um, you know, and a bit more relevant to people's lives. So please, you know, can we work together on this? Let's not condemn the county council. That does not move things forwards. Thank you. Council Lees. I think you can work with people quite well, and you can still say I absolutely and totally and utterly disagree with what you are doing. I don't believe that to work with people you have to be placatory and lovely always. You are allowed to say, do you know what, I'd like to work with you together but I really honestly don't agree with this, full stop. You are allowed to say that and still be friends. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is people keep saying, you know, we're not statutorily doing libraries. What, why not? Is there anything to legally say that under no circumstances can a local district council take on responsibility for a library. I don't believe that to be true, and I'm all, if we are constantly changing and constantly doing things, maybe sometimes we should be a bit revolutionary and be a bit of a leader and look at what we can do. And thirdly, my concern is always about cuts and saving money. And we always look at cuts, and I work in the health service, so that's where I look at it mainly, but here in the library, we're looking at cuts for library. Thaxted Library costs not a lot. Stanford Library costs not a lot. And in real terms, on the paper, the money is saved from that budget. However, that money to hospitalise that elderly lady that goes every other week on a Thursday, who finds herself more a little bit isolated, hasn't seen her friends, people have missed her, where has she been? Or, Mrs Jones, we haven't seen her for a while, the cost of hospitalising her and getting her back on her feet is way more than the cost of these libraries. That lady that goes with her children, who's a little bit vulnerable, really trying hard to keep her family together, going to the listening groups, reading the books, seeing other parents, just that nod and a wink and somebody saying, yep, my toddler also sits on the floor. The cost of supporting her from a community psychiatric nurse is huge. 
So let's not just look at cutting the libraries, because every time you're saving that weeny bit of money, the cost elsewhere is getting greater. So you're getting lots of platitudes of, yay, we've saved 5,000, 13,000. But in real terms, we're not really saving. Just, I'll just take Councillor Foley very briefly. And it will be brief. Uh, just really to pick up a point uh, that you uh, mentioned, Councillor Barker, about community groups. I think you'll understand, I hope you understand, that the community groups, by and large, that are coming to you see it as a plan B because this is not there. I hope you see that. Certainly, I've been in touch with community groups that are following as you say, uh, looking into the other possibilities, but they're certainly looking at it as a plan B. And just one other point, and I hope you agree as well, that Thaxted, for instance, has gone a long way to be an ideal hub. In fact, it's been, it's been welcomed as that. In fact, it should, in many ways, as a model of what it is, uh, what a modern library... Not, not that we can't improve, but um, it is, we've come an awful long way, and I completely understand that libraries must change. Just, yes, briefly. Sorry. I didn't mean community groups as in groups of people. I meant community organisations already exist out there. And I mean that too. OK, thank you. Councillor, you would like me to take Councillor Gerard first? Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Just very quickly, just to clarify Councillor Knight's issue, we're not, the motion is not condemning Essex County Council. It's condemning unnecessary cuts. There is a big difference. I think Essex County Council, on the whole, are pretty wonderful. But unnecessary cuts, whether it be by a parish council, a town council, district council or county council, unnecessary cuts, surely we can condemn that. If we don't, then we're saying unnecessary cuts are fine. And I think that is the key here. Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, thank you for all the contributions. I stand absolutely by this motion. I think that the only point that I would uh, add to that is uh, about the fact that we need to be subscribed to the professional networks so that we can get the books. And although that was implicit uh, in this motion, it could, uh, with the addition of a few words, become explicit. And I would ask for a recorded vote and that this council accepts this motion. Thank you. So we are actually going to vote on the amendment first. I'm going to ask Councillor Ranger, did you wish to speak at all? No, Chairman. Right. Yep. Councillor Wolf, do you wish to sum up before we go to the vote? Very briefly, um, the key point is we are not going to close the libraries in Uttlesford. You just bear that in mind and support the amendment. Thank you. Um, right, the Chief Executive has offered to actually explain the amendment before we go to the vote. So the amendment that you're about to uh, vote on, uh, the first sentence remains the same as the original motion. This council recognises that libraries make a significant contribution to education, wellbeing and community activities. The second sentence is materially the same except so the, any library closures or reductions in services, the original wording will disproportionately 
the proposed amendment is could potentially the rest of the sentence is the same, affect the well-being of children and young families, the elderly, the unemployed and the other vulnerable groups and increase social isolation. The remainder of the original motion, we condemn the unnecessary cuts through to and develop our libraries. That paragraph is deleted by this amendment and is replaced by, at the December Council meeting, it was resolved this Council asked the Cabinet Member for Community and Partnerships to work with Essex County Council parish and town councils, voluntary organisations and residents to explore ways in which the library service in Uttlesford is maintained and enhanced in light of the county council's major consultation on the proposed future strategy for the county's libraries and we will continue to do this. That's the amendment before members and a recorded vote has been requested. That's right, so we're going to the vote on the amendment, so can I ask the legal officer to take a recorded vote? Ladies and gentlemen, if you could uh, provide your vote when I call your name, please. Councillor Asker. Against. Councillor G. Barker. For. Councillor S. Barker. For. Councillor R. Chambers. For. Councillor P. Davis. For. Councillor Aideen. Against. Councillor P. Fairhurst. Against. Councillor T. Farthing. For. Councillor M. Felton. Absent. Councillor Foley. Against. Councillor Gerard. Against. Councillor Goddard? Councillor Gordon? For. Councillor Hargreaves? Councillor Harris? Councillor Hicks? For. Councillor Howell? For. Councillor Knight? Councillor Count? Against. Councillor Lease? Councillor Lemon? Councillor Light? Against. Councillor Laughlin? Abstain. Councillor Mills? Councillor Morris? Against. Councillor Oliver? Councillor Ranger? For. Councillor Redfern? For. Councillor Rolfe? For. Councillor Riles? For. Councillor Sell? Against. Councillor Wells? For. Yeah, that has been carried, so um, we'll just give you the numbers in a moment. So we'll go back to the substantive motion. It is now the substantive motion. It is now the substantive motion, yes. Right, does anybody else wish to discuss the substantive motion? Uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, the numbers are as follows. 17 votes in favour of the amendment, 11 against and 1 abstention. So thank you. That has been carried. Yes, nobody wishes to speak on the substantive motion? Councillor Lee seconded it. Councillor Light, do you wish to sum up? Yes, thank you. Um, I did actually already sum up and uh, requested that the motion as it stood with the addition of the professional uh, network of Essex libraries and professional staff um, remains. So I'm very disappointed that um, this, this has been washed into uh, a, a, a grey mess. And... Um, I sincerely trust that the libraries will remain open and I can tell you that I'm not letting this go. Thank you. I'm advised that we do now need to vote on the substantive motion. So could I do that by show of hands? Before we rush these, because I agree with Councillor Light, it's quite an important issue, certainly for people in Stansted. I just want to make sure I've got it crystal clear from Councillors Rolf and Susan Barker. What I put forward at the beginning was my view that the libraries should be part of the Essex Library Network and that they should be staffed by professionals. What I haven't got from them, either of them, is any assurance on either of those two matters. And if I don't get that assurance, I will have no option but to vote in support of the motion. Councillor Sell, do you wish to propose an amendment? Do you wish to propose any amendment to yeah, the motion? So, the difficulty which you're very aware of is that the Essex County Council are still studying and dealing with the responses to the consultation. So, the premises at Thaxted cost Essex £7,000. The premises at Stansted cost them about £20,000. Then there is an on-cost for the, the service, the, the, the um, ordering service, and there's an on-cost for the people. So I don't know where Councillor Light got twelve grand from, but um, so in, in total the cost is, is, is nearer to £50,000. Now, it is a perfectly legitimate part of the negotiation with Essex that Uttlesford District Council could say, we will write you a cheque for £50,000 so we have the full service. I'm not inclined to do that at this stage because I rather hope that they might do some of this for themselves. So this is where we... slightly, But I have made the commitment and a future administ Conservative administration will keep these four libraries open. So... I can't at this stage do a lot more than that because of the ongoing... In fact, if we say much more, we're going to prejudice the negotiating position of Uttlesford District Council. Does that, make, does that help? I understand that... What short answer? No. <laughs> well, the short answer is that we will have a library, it will have books, and it will have people running the library. 
Yeah, we have actually closed the debate now, Councillor Foley, because uh, uh, Councillor Knight summed up. Staff, not volunteers. Okay, just make your point. Just to clarify, does, does running the library, uh, Councillor Rolf, to you indicate that we, we will still need professional staff, whatever you want to call them, professional staff run and employed by Essex County Council at the level that we have now? It, it, it all depends on what, what, what you mean by professional. I'm not going to have that discussion with you because we, 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 we've sort of done that. But we, you know, we, we know what running a library means uh, in terms of... Yeah, but I mean, why wouldn't volunteers work? I, I, I don't quite understand why you're not prepared to look at a model that does what you want. Now, the, the model in Thaxted is, is not big enough. The building is not big enough to do what you want to do because you're doing a lot. All credit to Thaxted community, but the building isn't big enough. There might be other options, and that's what we need to look at because at the same time, there are about four other community facilities in Thaxted. Now, I'm not making any suggestions to the uh, Deputy Chairman of the Parish Council because it's for, Par for Thaxted Parish Council to determine what to do, but, but, but we need to find the right facilities to give the people of Thaxted, and the same thing applies to all the other uh, areas that have a library, the facilities that they want. Um, now, in terms of, as long as we're running a service, I think, frankly, that, that is about as far as a commitment that I can give tonight. I'm well, going to leave it there because we have, in fact, closed the debate. We have voted, and we now just need to vote on the substantive motion, the original motion, and we can do that surely by show of hands. I beg your pardon, the amended motion. So I think, feel we can do that now by show of hands. So... Could I ask all those in favour to please show? And those against? and abstentions. Okay, that is carried. Um, so I'd like to move on now, actually, to our Youth Council, who are with us tonight. And I'd like to invite those who'd like to come and address us and give us details of their progress to date and their forthcoming plans. Councillors, ladies and gentlemen, I am Millicent Walser and I am the chair of the Ulster District Youth Council. We've been making significant progress in lots of different areas. Um, and the chairs of some of our working groups would like to discuss what they've been working on and achieved. This includes mental health, our constitution and housing. At our last meeting, a new working group was also established, focusing on environment and ecology. This is definitely one of the issues that young people feel most strongly about. Um, 
and we have already started working towards some of the goals set our first working group meeting later the, uh, earlier this week. We are also happy to welcome four new councillors representing Forest Hall School, who are bringing the opinions of even more young people from across Uttlesford to our council so that we can reflect the varied views of young people from across the whole district. Now I'd like to hand over to Tom to talk about the progress made in the housing working group. Hello, I'm Tom Birkbeck and I chair the housing working group. I'd like to take the time to update you on three key areas of focus in recent months and moving forward for us. Firstly, we conducted a housing seminar in December to survey young people and take their opinions on housing in Uttlesford. The results of this can be found in a report in the members library and I would invite any interested members to take a look at that. Secondly, we're working closely with Simon Payne to increase youth involvement in the housing process and one of the ways in which we're doing this is that we're looking to develop an app to reach young people in the area and canvas opinions from them. Finally, we are also planning to field candidates, to field young people as members of the community forums attached to the development boards on the two garden communities. This has involved creating guidelines and selection and will, in the coming weeks, involve advertising and recruitment. The Housing Working Group always looks forward to hearing from and working with members in relevant groups, and any interested members can reach us through our email address, youthcouncil.gov.uk. Hello, I'm Hattie and I'm Chair of the Constitution Working Group of the Youth Council and I'd like to update you on our progress. Since December, the Constitution Working Group has been editing the Youth Council Constitution so that we feel it's best suited to our needs. Some major changes we've been made have been removing deputies, adding recognition of contribution, reviewing the election system and making other smaller changes to term lengths and meeting guidelines. Now we have to finalise our changes, including adding our social media policy. And once we've done this, we'll be meeting with Simon Pugh to make sure that all our changes work in the way that we want them to and that our new constitution will continue to be relevant and serve future youth councils successfully. Once we're happy with this, it will be brought to the district councils to review, which should be within the next few months. We want to ensure it's as good as it can be first. We look forward to further developments. Thank you. Good evening. Um, I'm Florence from the Mental Health Working Group at the Youth Council and I'm here to update you about our recent progress and goals for the future. Um, when discussing, one thing that we all felt really strongly about is that mental health provisions in secondary schools, while can be valuable, are, is largely too little too late. So we therefore decided to focus our efforts on preventative action rather than interventional action, targeting primary schools specifically. We are currently collaborating with Sarah Ellis and her local theatre company, Hyperfusion, to create a Year 6 tailored performance, which will be customised to educate students about maintaining positive when, um, mental, mental well-being, um, especially at a time which is crucial um, as these young people will be transitioning from primary to secondary school. Um, and upon making contact with primary schools in the local area, we have established that there is a need for education around mental health in uh, younger ages. Um, so looking for the to the future, we aim to conduct further research in this area to ensure that our efforts and resources are best utilised. Um, also, the funding of this project is something that we are currently discussing with Sarah Ellis. Um, so, but moving forward, we do feel confident that what we hope to achieve will be worth everything that we put into it. So thank you for your time. Right, thank you on behalf of the Council for very confident and informative reports. 
Um, you're most welcome to stay, but if you want to go, then please feel free to slip away. Right, so moving on now to my Council Fairhurst. Thank you, Madam Chairman. On behalf of the Council, I'd like to congratulate you all on your efforts and the work you've done in the past. At the risk of, of, of using any more rhetoric, I'd like to point out something. Four years ago, I was sitting where Jeff Sell is, and uh, I suggested we have a youth council. And as we noticed the way we do things, it was amended into something else, a public engagement sort of thing that meant nothing to anybody. But now we have a youth council, and we ought to be really proud of what they're doing. This is what happens when you do real things and don't wash things out. Well done. Thank you very much. Councillor Lemon. Thank you, Chair. As uh, the Chair of the um, working group that set up the Youth Council, uh, I really do need to congratulate them on what they're doing and how hard they've worked. And they're, they're looking at vital things in Uttlesford, and I think it's one of the best things that this Council has done since I've been a councillor, was to set up the Youth Council. So well done to you all, and thank you very much. Councillor Knight. Um, I would like to say the content of what you said was brilliant. You need a little bit of training on speaking to make it more effective, and I'm very happy as a fellow of the Public Speaking Association to give you a little bit of lessons because I think it was a very good message and I think it could have got through a lot better if it had been a lot slower and a lot more precise. So you can look me up and I'm very happy to come and help on that score. Right, well, thank you again. And uh, moving on, since the last meeting, I have attended a number of events, um, a lot of dinners, including my own, which are enjoyable in themselves, but their main purpose is to raise money for the chosen charities. I've also attended a number of concerts, uh, Saffron Walden High School, the New City College at Epping, and the London Palladium Jack Petchy Awards. Um, all of these celebrate and showcase the amazing young and upcoming, upcoming talent in our district, and I really mean that. There were some amazing people. I also went to the Essex Child and Wellbeing Awards, uh, which celebrate and recognise the huge steps forward that our schools can and are making to promote and nurture healthy lifestyles among our young people. All aspects are covered from healthy eating, regular exercise and mental health and well-being. And I felt these were all very positive indicators to address all the issues that are currently in our society at an early stage and promote better lifestyles for future generations. I have also attended several award ceremonies, the Queen's Award Service for Voluntary Services and the High Sheriff's Awards. These again highlight and recognise the wealth of extraordinary and inspirational individuals who give their time freely, their resources and their expertise to help others and provide much needed services and assistance throughout our district. And yesterday I attended the declaration ceremony for the new High Sheriff. It was particularly interesting both in itself and because the outgoing sh Sheriff, 
gave a resume of the very challenging and interesting work that he had undertaken during his year of office. So thank you, and moving on now then to item four on the agenda, which is a report from the leader of the council, please. So thank you, Chairman. Um, The first thing I'd like to do is to recognise that this might be, well, probably will be, the last occasion that a number of colleagues will be with us um, in the chamber. I hope that nothing else dramatic happens to them. <laughs> so I really, I really would like to uh, say a huge thank you across the House to uh, Terry Farthing, John Freeman, Tom Goddard, Stephanie Harris, Simon Howell, Eric Hicks, Alan Mills, and to Sharon Morris uh, from the RFU group, and of course Aisha Anjum, who has, uh, has left us but uh, was one of the starters four years ago. Um, your contribution over these last four years uh, has been a, a huge reflection on uh, what can be done for public life. And uh, without the contribution of people like you, some of whom have been here uh, a councillor for a very long time, some uh, uh, less so, but your contribution uh, has been invaluable to our society. And without, and um, the High Sheriff is a good example, that's another voluntary post essentially, without, with, without and, and very much represents the voluntary sector, without that voluntary group of which I really think that we are part of that, Uh, life uh, would be more complicated and the glue of our life uh, would not hold it together. So a huge thank you to to all of you and I wish you uh, the very best in your retirement from local government life. Thank you. Um, As far as my report's concerned, uh, Chairman, uh, I'm absolutely delighted. It's been a fantastic year. Um, And uh, financially, uh, I won't read the whole of my report. You've got it. You've seen it. Uh, You know much of this stuff anyway. Uh, But financially, uh, we're in great shape. Uh, We ended the year, as you know, £800,000 in credit. Uh, Without the £1.7 million net contribution from Chesford Research Park, you can imagine that would have given us some real challenges. But we saw the storm coming. We took action. We we can see further storms coming. And we're taking further action. So that's great. And... um, We know about the uh, the local plan which uh, got in before the (coughs) deadline, so our numbers weren't as high as they might have been. Um, And that, together with uh, the the, the increasing number of neighbourhood plans, and I congratulate in my report Thaxted, who got theirs made, which I think is the term uh, during the course of the year, um, they've now got, once we can get the local plan over the line, uh, great security uh, for their community. And we absolutely encourage, I was at a parish council meeting in Ashton last night, and they're intending to do the same thing, So I really do encourage you to uh, work with your communities to get neighbourhood plans together. We were uh, delighted to be awarded £750,000 to continue our work, uh, our garden community work. It's not only a recognition, it's not only a very useful uh, money, of course, but it's a recognition of what we're doing and the way we're doing it, and all credit to uh, the officers who have driven that. Um, and it also, it, it sort of envelops us in the garden community group, which I think is very important. Um, and uh, we're obviously working with uh, other uh, local, uh, local groups, including the Mayor, whose, whose, whose sustainable transport plan has uh, now passed its uh, feasibility test. 
Um, I, I won't go into uh, what Councillor Redfern has said in her report, but we're absolutely delighted that we have uh, created over 350 social uh, and affordable, by that I mean per, uh, rented or part ownership homes. This is, this is fantastic and obviously makes a big impression on our housing waiting list. Um, the college is a huge success and so much so that we now have the challenge in terms of how we can extend uh, either existing premises or, or create uh, new ones. Um, and um, I won't touch on uh, uh, Councillor Riles' point about broadband because I know he's got a great comment to make there. Uh, but uh, finally, I'll just finish with uh, and to echo some colleagues' Uh, comments around the Youth Council. Here we see democracy coming through uh, at a younger age and uh, long may that continue. Many of those people might be in this chamber in a few years' time and uh, that, would be, that would be great. So a good year and we very much look forward to four more great years uh, coming up. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Wolfe. Right, we'll move on to the portfolio holders' reports. Um, I'm hoping that members have all read their reports, and so in the interest of time, could I ask the portfolio holders to perhaps just present the highlights, and perhaps we can start with Councillor Ranger, please. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, members, yes, you've had the opportunity to read my report, so I'm not going to repeat what's in it, but I'm happy to take questions as ever. There are three matters I'd like to raise as this year and indeed the current term of office comes to a conclusion. Firstly, I've had the privilege of working alongside some very dedicated people here at UDC over eight years in housing, planning and in the communities team. So many times our staff come in for undue criticism and that's distressing. Nobody comes to work in this building with the intent of upsetting anybody, so I want to put on record my personal thanks to those members of the teams that I've worked closely with. Secondly, we have in Atlas for the workforce, in the, in the main largely unsung, that is an amazing example of a caring community spirit and long may that continue to flourish. I refer, of course, to volunteers. Just take some time to consider where our society would be without them. That's why I'm pleased that the Council has able, been able to grant fund so many of the projects and undertakings that help to maintain the quality of the life we have in this district and to be able to give a helping hand up to those less able to cope. The Council this past year alone has made grant funds of in excess of £500,000. The fact we've been able to do so is due in no small way to the excellent financial management exercised by this Council, so I would like to recognise the joint work of our first-class team of finance officers who have advised us on the medium and long-term challenges we face, and of Councillor Howes and prior to him Councillor Chambers for bringing such astute policies forward to the Council that cemented the sound base we work from. So, £300,000 to the voluntary sector, over £35,000 in sport and cultural grants, more than £35,000 to museums, day centres and notable prominent buildings such as Thaxted Guildhall, grants for neighbourhood planning and even public toilets. Members have contributed massively through their new homes bonus ward members allowances and you should be proud of the help you've given to projects and initiatives in your localities. The Council has given over £24,000 in economic development grants and finally, and not in any way the least, over £50,000 through various initiatives to our young people. And that's my third and last point. As much as we need to recognise that we have a wonderful district in which to live, 
we do need to be aware that some of our residents require a more sensitive approach than we might otherwise employ, and that certainly is the case in respect of our young residents. There is a grave danger we are putting a great deal of stress upon young shoulders if we ignore their concerns about future prospects. That's why I'm pleased to we, we involved our younger residents in planning for the future, their future, and I look forward to the involvement, their involvement in creating the master plans of the new communities we're going to build. Too often in the past, opportunities have been missed or turned away to provide modern state-of-the-art facilities across a whole range of social scenes. No more. Let us harness the vitality of youth and take Athelstead forward as a shining example of what can be achieved when finances are sound and the mindset is right. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Royals. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole of this report. As you can see, it more or less speaks for itself. But the one highlight that um, Councillor Rolfe has uh, uh, alluded to earlier was um, on the 26th of March something quite special happened in Birchanger. And I do, I'm a bit of a technical person. But tech, uh, I like all the tech the first cabinet became live with GigaClear. So we've got over 200 pots who are available, which is outside people's houses. They can connect into a network of up to 1,000 gigabits per second, which is very, very fast, but I won't go into that too much either. But what it is is the first step on making our district fully digital. And I think it's to be applauded what Superfast Essex have done, what our economic development team have done, Simon and Linda. Um, and I think we're going to have a wonderful next few years as it rolls out across the district. Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, apologies, my report was late. Um, the first half of the report talks about waste and recycling and initiatives there. Um, I think the first thing we should do is congratulate the many, many volunteers. I did a couple of hours myself on Sunday who have been out there litter picking in the spring litter pick. Um, the district is looking a lot cleaner. We have enhanced our teams in-house, but we can't keep it like that without the help of local people going out and doing their bit. So uh, publicly, I would like to thank all of them. There was enormous bags. I think we had 70 bags collected in Dunmo um, last Saturday and tyres and all the usual detritus, but uh, at least the sun shone on us. Um, you can see we've had a couple of grants there to enhance parks and to enhance actually our litter collection, which is great. Um, and also we have under the management of Mr Brown um, I think the collection rate is now great, the bins are getting replacement bins are getting delivered really quickly we brought that in house, we did go to an external contractor, they found they couldn't keep up so it's come back in house and we're now managing that and then I think the rest of the report gives you an idea of all those other things that our environment team does all the enforcement they do, all the stuff about taxi licensing, you know we have thousands or hundreds of taxis in this district and they all need to be monitored we need to make sure they fit on our roads we need to make sure that people who don't drive taxis well aren't driving customers around our district one thing it doesn't mention that I'm very pleased about is we now also have a section 106 monitoring officer in place and that's great I've taken a little local issue to her she's getting her teeth into it getting the 106 sorted out and getting the, the issues resolved for that and uh, hopefully we, you know, once that's embedded it will be a much better process to follow up on 106 commitments that uh, developers are, are under. But happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Councillor Howe. 
Madam Chairman, thank you. Um, councillors, uh, as Councillor Rolfe has said, this is my last meeting as a councillor, and so this will be the last occasion that I present my report as Member for Finance. Um, and I have to say I'm pleased that it's actually a very positive report. It would be a pretty miserable experience if it was reporting anything less positive than, than this. Um, I'm delighted that we can report uh, a tenth consecutive year for receiving an unqualified opinion for our statement of accounts. Uh, for the eighth consecutive year, the uh, Council's use of resources and value for money statement again. Um, the performance of our benefits subsidy audit this year has been exemplary. Um, as Councillor Rolfe has said, the contribution from Aspire is progressing well. I take particular pleasure from the update on Saffron Walden Castle. Um, I first became a councillor 24 years ago, uh, and it was for me one of those projects that I wish it had taken less time to get done, but I am delighted that at long last it has been done. The performance indicators as set out in the report uh, are extremely strong as well. Um, I'm delighted to be handing over to my successor, whoever he or she will be, a budget in surplus. Um, I'm also delighted to be retiring from this council uh, with the finances significantly enhanced from where they were when I first became a councillor. I need to thank my predecessor, Councillor Chambers, for the contribution he made. Um, I've only held this role for four years um, and he helped a great deal to, to set the, the, the landscape for me. It would be very remiss of me not to mention actually the people who do all the hard work. I'm a great one for taking all of the credit but actually it would be very wrong of me to do so. Um, Mr. Webb is not somebody, he sits at the back of our meetings, uh, and in fact it is all down to him and his team. There is absolutely nothing down to me. Um, our, we are extraordinarily fortunate in the calibre, the commitment, uh, and the sheer uh, hard work of our finance teams. Mr. Webb, our Section 151 officer, Mrs. Angela Knight, who routinely comes to our cabinet meetings, uh, Mrs. He Emma Horner, uh, Mrs. Whitman, uh, Mr. Richard Orty, Caroline Sage, and, and Mrs. Sue Ellis. Not all of those are names that we will know, but they run teams, and I, I ought to express my thanks to their teams as well for the contribution and hard work that they put in. Um, and thank you also to colleagues. This could not be achieved unless we were a broadly sensible bunch of individuals. Um, I generally take the view that people deserve the politicians and the councillors they get, and Uttlesford consistently elects a broadly sensible bunch of individuals, and long may that continue. Many thanks. Thank you. Just last but not least, um, Councillor Redfern. Thank you. Um, I hope you've all had a chance to read um, my report, and I was... Um, when I was sort of putting it together with Ros and Judith, I was a bit um, taken aback, really, by how much this council has achieved in this last year. Um, <clears throat> and when I was thinking about what I was going to say, my husband thought I was a bit like um, someone from Monty Python when I'm saying, what has Uttlesford Housing done for us? He re reminded me of what, have the Romans <laughs> what did the Romans ever do for us? So um, I'm going to go on like that. Um, it's a key thing for this council to deliver affordable and social housing. Um, 
and I think it's something we should be proud of, but there is one thing I just plead with everybody to keep getting the message out, what we mean when we talk about affordable housing, because we get a lot of criticism for not delivering market, market affordable housing. That isn't what, I talk, what I'm talking about. Um, we get a lot of criticism when we're told that we don't deliver the numbers that we um, should, and the reality is, as a council, we can only take a housing quota over 14 properties, and we do get 40% of that um, over 14. And so when people are telling you that we don't, just make sure they know that's fake news. This council and the planning committee are really good at getting that number. Um, I mean, I think the numbers speak for themselves, really. This year, we've had 309 affordable new homes that were completed. So 208 of those were for rent and 101 for shared ownership. This is also in addition to our own um, development programme, which delivered a further 43 homes. We have a target of delivering 100 affordable um, houses uh, or homes a year. This year we smashed that. We've done 352, and they are all for local people. So when people tell you we're not doing it, we really are. So I really would appreciate it if you could just keep getting that message out. Um, some of the high points, of course... We worked with LNQ and Essex County Council. Um, Councillor Fairhurst was there um, when we opened, well, went to the first part of Cornell Court in Saffron Walden, which is due for completion in May. 71 apartments in our first ever um, assisted living <coughs> project in this district. Um, we have, in addition to that, we have um, a new scheme for people with learning disabilities, <coughs> a complete um, completely new housing scheme for that. We converted two of our own um, council houses for shared homes for other people with learning disabilities. We redeveloped some of our garage, um, vacant garage sites, and as um, Councillor Asker will know, one of those was for a, quite a special family to us. Um, we had a purpose wheelchair accessible purpose-built home for that particular local family. Reynolds Court in Newport, another one that we're really proud of, 41 brand new sheltered homes that really are something to be proud of. Um, not only was it delivered on time and on budget, but it um, attracted um, a grant from Homes England because of the innovative design that it was. Hatherley Court in Saffron Walden, that's under a big renovation project at the moment, and the remodelling should be complete later this year. Um, again, I'm often, we're often criticised for um, the government's right to buy policy. Well, in Uttlesford, if someone exercises their right to buy, we get to keep a percentage of that, assuming that we replace that house that has been um, purchased under the right to buy. And when people tell you that we're losing houses, I can tell you we have not given any money back. We have replaced them all. And if they haven't been replaced yet, they're in the process. We have quite a programme going on. In fact, there's a site tomorrow going to planning committee, which I've got my fingers crossed on, um, for 16 properties in Little Dunmo. So um, be kind to us, planning committee. Um, so all of this has been happening in Uttlesford this year. And our housing team have rehomed hundreds of local families from our waiting list into 520 different properties, 200 brand new homes, 320 into existing stock. A further 101 families have bought a share of their own new home. 
And so when people tell you that Uttlesford are not delivering affordable housing, I think you've got to say to them, oh yes we are, Mm. but you have to keep telling them what we mean by affordable housing. I hate the term myself, I just think it should be be social housing or a a similar thing that people understand. So if you could please keep getting the word out, because I just think that's incredible. 520 different properties uh, plus 101... shared ownership properties and that's ju- that is just this year um, and finally I would like to say um, thank you to the guys that um, I work with here particularly the tenants of the um, tenants forum and the housing board Ros and Judith and the extraordinary housing team um, that they really do do a tremendous job under um, often quite difficult circumstances and along with Marcus and his, his team as well so um, and of course the senior management team here as well but um, I do think that when you leave this council issue, you can be really proud of what we've done for families with um, housing need. That's a lot of people. Sadly, it doesn't reflect that clearly in our waiting list because clearly there still are a lot of people who have um, housing need because as fast as we are putting people into new homes, we are getting someone else on the list. So it's something that I hope that this council will continue with. Thank you. Right, thank you. We'll just move on now to the questions. Um, we have 15 minutes for questions. So, could I have an, I think, to, in, to ensure fairness, could I understand how many of you would like to speak in advance? So that's three, four, fine, because then we can try and apportion the time more fairly. So, I'm sorry, who was first over there? Councillor Light, would you like to start? Thank you, Chair. For once, I want to make a very positive statement. Uh, Madam Chair, on behalf of my colleagues... Councillor Light, could I just say this is questions to the executive, not statements. (laughs) Just allow me to pay tribute and to thank, if I may. Mm. Um, I'd like to pay tribute to all the members of this council who over the past four years have served their local communities with the best of intentions. Especially I thank you, the current chair, the previous chairs of the council, the leader councillor Rolf and members of the cabinet, and also the chairs of committees for their consistent hard work. We may not have agreed that often with your policies, but we recognise and we appreciate your efforts to run this council. I'd also like to extend our appreciation and thanks to the officers for all their work and support over this period. And I wish all the retiring councillors well. And finally, I'd like to make a very personal thank you to Councillor Eric Hicks, who gave me a very kind and warm welcome on my first day as a new councillor, and he made me feel at ease. So thank you, Eric, and all the best for a long and happy retirement. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councillor Light. Now, I'm not sure whose hand was next, but I think it was Councillor Hargreaves. Thank, thank you, Chair. Uh, it's a question for Councillor Howell, or two questions, please, for Councillor Howell, both are relating to um, uh, Aspire. And um, one is relating to uh, his comment about the 2017-18 figures, another one about his prediction for the uh, 2018-19 figures. Um, a wholly owned subsidiary Aspire uh, was technically insolvent at the end of March 2018. It had made a loss of £3.3 million. Now that loss can be 
excuse away or we knew it was going to make a loss, uh, we may be able to trade out through that loss. Uh, some of the loss is realised loss, some of it is not a realised loss. But nevertheless, the audited accounts signed off uh, by Mr Webb say uh, it, it made a loss, £3.3 million loss. So the question there is, is why does his report just ignore that? It's not mentioned at all. And the second question is, by the way, just, just a comment that that loss is not, by the way, shown anywhere, although it's wholly unsubsidiary, it's not shown anywhere in the district council's accounts, despite the fact that we own the whole thing. Uh, an accounting, current accounting policy says we don't need to bother about it, we can just ignore it. And that moves me to the second question, makes a prediction for this year, 1.6 million. Now, I'm told by Mr Webb that the accounting arrangements change, international financial reporting standard number nine comes into play. That will require us to show Aspire in our books what it's actually worth as distinct from what we paid for it, which sounds pretty common sense. Uh, and therefore, uh, I will be expecting here some prediction if that loss is still there, if it's not been revalued upwards, uh, does this 1.6 million of income uh, factor in that loss or is the 1.6 million just the rental that we receive and if there is a loss still, is that loss still being ignored? Uh, so that's my second question. Thank you. Well, I'm not really in the position to give a detailed answer to those questions. It does remind me of the old joke that if you put an 11 accountants, sorry, 10 accountants in a room you'll, and pose them with a problem, you will end up with 11 different answers. Uh, what I can tell you is, as you know, because you have been in correspondence with uh, Mr. Webb, we discussed at great length with our accountants, BDO, on the treatment of our investment in Aspire. Um, his correspondence to you has identified the fact that we have correctly and properly followed accounting treatment. Um, I know that you have an accountant's view of this, uh, and I will repeat the comment that I have made before. We pay for our services with cash. If we did not generate a surplus, we could not be paying for the services that we provide. And the deficit that we recognise that we would face if we had not made the investment would be one that would not have allowed me to make this presentation to you five minutes ago. So I do not deliver services on speeches alone. I deliver services on cash. And so you can understand, if I have delivered those services, we have generated a surplus. Uh, I, I recognise that you sat on the Audit and Performance Committee you did not raise these points as far as I'm aware at the time and you perhaps think that you should have questioned the accounts when they were presented. But the reality is that we, de uh, we delivered a surplus. They are delivering the services that we are required to provide. We will continue to deliver a, a, a surplus and the accounting um, issues that you identify and refer to as a loss are written down on a piece of paper and they are not the reality of how we have performed. That, can it be recorded? That does not answer either of my two questions. Uh, my response was quite clear. I'm not in a position to give a detailed reply. If you had provided me with an indication of your questions in advance, I perhaps I might have been in, in, in a position to give you more detail. 
Councillor Gerard, I think you were next. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, my question is to the Chief Executive and to the Chairman of the Scrutiny Committee. Um, Madam Chairman, the rules of PERDA are clear. Uh, council business must be conducted as usual. However, any publication that deviates from this, which might possibly be considered by any reasonable person to have a political bias, should be left to a later date, after the election, to avoid the risk of uh, um, breaching the rules of PERDA. Uh, we all need to adhere to these rules. Um, we have to be very careful at this meeting tonight uh, not to make any resolutions that are clearly of a political nature. Um, this is a public live broadcast meeting and what we discussed tonight is very public. Um, Madam Chairman, just two weeks ago the Secretary of State for Communities announced his decision not to call in the Stansted Airport expansion planning application. Uh, it is for this Council now to decide whether we rush this application approval through or we see where it goes, bearing in mind the potential legal claims against us. Uh, what we are sure of is that Stop Stansted Expansion have announced, and we all received an email yesterday of their press release, that they will be taking legal action on this matter. They have given us fair warning, Madam Chairman, that if we publish the record of decision, we'll be joining in the matter with Stansted Airport Limited and effectively exposing this Council to litigation and further risk. And yet, this is not something we've needed to have done or need to do urgently. It can wait three weeks. So, either this administration expects a substantial change in May or, sorry, and therefore wishes to rush this through, or there is a political motive to demonstrate an achievement. It's either a breach of PERDA or avoiding failure. So, Madam Chairman, I ask you, in the interests of this Council, which must come before all political objectives, to the Chief Executive to pause the publication of the decision and allow the next administration to make the decision. To advise members, this is, isn't a slot for asking questions of the Chief Executive, and this is not a matter that I feel that I should stand and respond to members uh, on the hoof. I'm quite happy to write to all members regarding this tomorrow. Sorry, in that case, my question is to the Chairman of the Scrutiny Committee. I'm not sure, Madam Chairman, that uh, it, it is a, a matter for scrutiny, but I would, nevertheless, I do have a question of my own, which I will perhaps touch on the subject that's just been raised at that point, but uh, I'd prefer to leave it until you call me to speak, because I don't think the matter relates to scrutiny. Madam Chairman, in that case it must be a question for the Leader. I, I was hoping to get an answer to my question. Well, I think, as the Chief Executive said, you should put your point to her and she will respond to you in writing and to all councillors as necessary. A point of order, Madam Chairman. We, we, we are facing potential legal action. 
And that surely, as a council, we must... We know, we, there is no other opportunity for us to discuss this. There was a press release came out yesterday, we all got copied in, where there is a threat of a judicial review against this council. Now, surely, it's a, question, it's a valid question. It's an elephant, obviously, in the room, but it's a valid question of why the rush? It clearly is a valid question, but it is not really a, a question to the portfolio holders, which this slot incorporates. And it is something which needs to be responded to, but I do not think this is the forum. Councillor Rolf, did you wish to speak? Well, I, I've been asked now to comment. Um, so, uh, the first... Uh, uh, thing is that there's, there's absolutely nothing political about this whatsoever. I find it incredibly sad that uh, the opposition parties are taking planning into a political arena. If you're on that course, you will probably lose the right to adjudicate your own planning decisions. Uh, don't shake your head. That is the reality. It has happened elsewhere. This this council will not submit to the bullying tactics of anybody, and that includes SSE. If they want to judicially review, we will meet them in court. May I please point out to, to you that the planning committee determined the Stansted application and delegated the authorisation of the agreement, not further negotiation, and the issuing of the decision to officers. The committee report set out fully what a section 106 would need to address in the event the committee determined to approve the application. The report content and all references to section 106 was the sum of extensive discussions with statutory consultees, external experts and an external council, QC council, people who understand. The further point in terms of whether we are now going to take back the decision making on section 106 would be a unique event, event in the history of Uttlesford District Council. And if that is the way that RFU intend to operate, then we have serious problems coming. Hopefully it won't happen anyway. We have a very clear process here whereby section 106s are negotiated. This was agreed, full transparency, everybody understood before the, uh, before the um, planning application was considered. I think you were on the planning committee, if I remember correctly, so you will have understood that as well. So uh, I don't think it's a fair question. The chief executive has said that you'll write to everybody and explain the position. But I think we need to be crystal clear in terms of this is not a political decision. This was, uh, the uh, council has been waiting to proceed until it heard back from the Secretary of State. The Secretary of State has given us the all clear. There's absolutely no reason why we wouldn't proceed. In fact, it would be illegal not to proceed. So there's nothing precipitous about the action. Councillor Fairhurst, you didn't want to speak. Councillor Lees. Thank you, Madam Chairman. First of all, uh, as this is the uh, final uh, council meeting, or, or maybe the final council meeting, um, I'll say something else in a minute, um, I'd, I'd like to Thank you, Madam Chairman, as the only other group leader here tonight. Thank you for your services as chair and for keeping us in order, not keeping us too late too often, <laughs> and, and, and uh, conducting the, uh, the meetings in a very charming and pleasant way. I've, I have a, a question for 
Councillor Barker, but before I do that, I would like to present you, if I may, not with uh, an end-of-term present, but with um, a requisition. This, um, this requisition has been, at this present time, signed by 11 members of the Council, and it's a request that touches on the last matter that was raised um, that I didn't respond to because it was nothing to, it's nothing to do with scrutiny but asking that the, uh, to, the, 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 the council at an extraordinary meeting instructs the chief executive and fellow officers not to issue a planning decision notice for the relevant planning application for Stansted Airport until the related section 106 legal agreement between the council and the airport and also the planning conditions have been scrutinised, reviewed and approved by the council's planning committee after the local elections. I'd like to give you this. I'd like to give you that first page of signatures. I do have another page with another signature on it, and if anybody else wishes to sign it later, they're more than welcome to do so. What my question is to is to Councillor Barker. It's a, it's a local matter in Sandstead. We've been waiting for two and a half years for a pedestrian crossing in Lower Street in Stansted. It was supposed to have been installed at the time that the new Castle Maltings building was um, opened, or before it was opened, which includes the doctor's surgery and other um, amenities and, and residences. Uh, it hasn't happened for various reasons. I'm not going to go into the history of it, but what I'm, I'm very confused at the moment. I know for a fact that the Cabinet, hold, uh, cabinet member at County Council some three months ago finally agreed a scheme for where the pedestrian crossing should be located, uh, but as far as I can work out, there's some hold-up in getting the developer to actually implement it. But my question is, I I'm, seem to be being passed from pillar to post between the County Council and this authority as to who is in the driving seat for making it happen. I'm being told that Essex, sorry, that Uttlesford is responsible for enforcement because it's a planning matter um, and the enforcement people here are telling me it's in the hands of Essex Highways officers. Uh, the public are being told the same thing and so we just have the impression in Stansted and it's been raging on various Facebook pages this very week uh, that you know, it, it, it seems to have gone down a black hole. So I would like Councillor Barker, obviously it doesn't, she, I doubt that she has the answer tonight, but to investigate it both on the County Council's side and from Uttlesford's side to come back to me and say who is in the driving seat for making this thing happen uh, because we want action soon, please. All right, thank you. And I'm sure, uh, Councillor Parker, do you wish to respond? I'm quite happy to deal with that, Chairman. Um, I don't have enough details from there. As I say, we do have a new Sector 106 officer in place. I will put you in touch and we'll sort out who it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right, um, concerning your um, request for an extraordinary council meeting, we are looking at that and just trying to coordinate diaries. We'll get back to you. Right, well, we'll move on now to... I beg, beg your pardon, Councillor Knight. I have two questions. Um, one is following on um, 
from Councillor Dean. Uh, I am coming across the situation where there are boundary infringements on new, new housing. Uh, when this is reported to enforcement, they say this is a Highways or Essex County Council, and when you get on to them, they say it's a civil matter. Um, this is a stonewalling and it's ridiculous if you've got planning with lines that say that's the boundary and people build outside of it, surely it is our planning. How can you just pass it on to Essex County Council Highways and how can they just pass it back to you saying it's a civil matter? So my question is, could someone take that up and run with it in Arthelstead District Council? My second question is to Councillor Gerard. Um, I'm very delighted that you were so adamant and firm about breaches of PERDA. Um, could I ask you if you are actually passing this information down to our few candidates who don't seem to understand it and are in breach of it? And I'll speak to you privately. Perhaps you could take that perhaps back on board to Councillor Lodge. Right, I'm going to move on now to item 13. Right, we have one matter referred from the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee. Uh, these proposed changes to the Uttlesford District Council ta taxi licensing policies, um, which we're being asked to endorse, and I would invite Councillor Chambers, please, to give the report. Thank you, Madam Chairman. <coughs> Madam Chairman, first of all, can I... Uh, thank very much uh, all the officers in the licensing department and environmental health who work below the surface. They're not uh, very prominent, but they do work extremely hard. People like Mr. Co uh, Mr. Cobden, uh, uh, Mr. Rawlings has been helping with the policy on this from uh, Epping and or East Hearts, but we have gone through a thorough examination of the policies. We have had two to three consultations on everything that you've read here in hundreds of pages. We haven't always agreed with the trade. You wouldn't expect that. Nobody agrees with everything all the time. But we have thoroughly gone through it. At the last meeting, there were five members present and one from each of the opposing parties and three Conservatives and as you will see in there, it was a unanimous decision. Now the point is that if you've read this at all, and you've read the, the, the second paragraph, we didn't even need to bring it to the council. We could have just passed it, because it is within the statutory duty that we could actually pass this without coming to the council. But wishing to be open and honest with everybody, we thought it was the right thing to do. Now, I would like to say to all the members of that uh, committee, which, Madam Chairman, meets more than any other committee or cabinet or anybody else in the council, to thank those members for all the hard work that they've put in, because it isn't easy sometimes for them to actually make the meetings and make the difficult decisions they have to. All we have tried to do here is to make sure that the public safety is of the paramount importance. And what we are trying to do, and, and I've got it uh, down here, is at the moment we give the bare statutory minimum. We are looking, by doing this, to have best practice. Now, I think from the public's point of view, 
this would be the sensible thing to do and I do hope that the Council will endorse this unanimously this evening for the, um, to make sure that the safety of the public remains of that paramount importance. I so propose. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Councillor Gerard. Madam Chairman, yes, I would like to thank Councillor Chambers for um, his words about the cross-party members of the committee. Uh, it has been a very, at times, gruelling agenda, uh, meeting quite a lot, but I would like to just also then a word of thanks to Councillor Chambers. He actually has chaired the committee extremely well. There have been some very, at times, difficult um, cases that we've had to deal with, and um, he has certainly, I think, dealt with all the matters in a very, very fair way, always thinking about the safety and safeguarding and well-being of our members of the public, which has always been the red line throughout. So I'm very happy to second the, um, the proposal and, uh, again, thanks to Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Councillor Gerard. Um, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Just a quick question. I probably should know this, but uh, you're going to have a proficiency. Who is going to conduct those, please? That's just all I need to know. Right. All these will be done um, by a, a professional, but they'll be from outside. But the whole point being was that we were, what we were trying to do is several of our companies, the larger companies, have different people to have different training. Now, that is not right in our opinion it should all be the same so they all have exact we know as a council they're all having exactly the same training so that training will come from outside councillor hargreaves thank you chair i'm not against the motion i just wanted to make a, a <laughs> Lots of microphones. There we are. Um, uh, one of the uh, bus operators is in my ward, and they came to see me at the, the, the councillor's surgery. Councillor Jarrod's on the committee. He absented himself. Um, and obviously, they're concerned about the increase in the costs of all the licences. And they went through all the details. And in the end, they didn't actually ask me to do anything. So I was slightly relieved that I wasn't required to do anything. Um, but they said not only, not only is the licensing costs going up, but because they are mostly contracted to Essex on school um, and the, the normal buses, Essex, of course, are pushing them down all the time on, on their revenue side. And then having now read through all the papers, I realised that there's also the air quality thing, that they're now being required... I know it's been delayed for a year to have the less polluting vehicles. Now, these guys look to me, they're driving around, their vehicles are X registration. I couldn't work out how old that is, but I'm certainly not compliant with anything. Um, whether they could possibly afford, with the licensing fees going up, the revenue being pushed down, to actually then go and buy anything approaching, well, like what we know what would have, they'd have to have to go into London, it seems remote to me. So I think there is an issue here that we might be driving some of these guys sort of out of business for the very best of, of motives. Um, so I'm happy to vote for the, for the motion. But I just thought I'd raise that point that there's a financial issue here. That some of these guys struck me as being uh, pretty marginal in, in what they're doing. 
Could I answer that, Madam Chairman? Uh, I understand your concerns, Councillor Hargreaves, but the whole point being is, is that, as I repeat it again, it is for the safety of the public. But what you probably haven't read or didn't know was that when you come to look at air pollution and you look to see the exhaust fumes and what have you, in certain circumstances, the council has the right to look to see whether it is to the advantage of the public or otherwise as to whether they get a licence or not. So it's not a carte blanche, you know, we're going to have all new vehicles with no exhaust fumes and what have you. It is, in certain circumstances, for instance, when you're carrying disabled children, if you've got a specially adapted taxi or minibus or whatever it might be, that might be slightly contravening the uh, pollution. But in those circumstances, then we would probably say, well, we will review it in another 12 months and allow that person to continue because that is a vital um, connection between the children or whoever it is going, the disabled people going in that bus. So it's not just a carte blanche. Thank you, Mike. Okay, well, we'll go to the vote then. Could I ask all those in favour to please show? I think, is that unanimous? Okay. Unanimous. Thank you. Right, um, item 14, there are no matters that have been received for joint arrangements and external organisations. So we'll move on to item 15, the investment steering group. And No. Oh well, according to my list it's number 15, but the investment steering group. Um, could I ask Councillor Howell to present the report and recommendations? Please? Madam Chairman, thank you, Councillors. Um, I think I've always tried to be a councillor who listens to the views of other councillors, and I must have been in particularly good listening mode at the meeting on the 21st of February. Uh, because I think I heard a very strong view from all councillors uh, that if we are to pursue an investment strategy, uh, and I recognise that not all councillors are in agreement with that, but it was the view of council that we should, that it was the unanimous view that members and officers would benefit from additional support from external experts in the setup and development of the investment portfolio. And for that reason, uh, I was asked to present to Council a proposal for the establishment of an investment steering group. However, as I was also in listening mode, I recognised that there was a difference of opinion as to the precise makeup of the investment steering group, perhaps not a complete unanim unanimous view on what it should be doing, um, but the report sets out the board principles and the internal processes uh, and a process for agreeing the terms of reference for this investment steering group. And I thought that in the circumstances, since I dislike a fight on my last night, I would suggest that we defer the decision on the precise makeup of the investment steering group to the new administration, as they will no doubt 
depending on the composition of the new administration, either have views that accord with mine or something similar, or views that are very different. So, I took the decision on the 27th of March to establish an investment steering group, and that was the only decision I took. I hope you'll endorse that decision, and I look forward to reading about the new administration's decision on what to do in May. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Councillor Dean. I, w I will now uh, speak as the chair of the scrutiny committee to say that the uh, paper was considered by the committee a few weeks ago. Um, we recognise that this is a useful stake in the ground, if I can put it that way, uh, that uh, now was not the time to get embroiled in pros and cons of one approach and another approach, but to simply support the principle and hope that the Council would do the same uh, so that we can rapidly move on to the next agenda item. Are you seconding? Are you yes, I will second, second. it. Yeah. Right. So does Councillor Fairhurst. It's 7am, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania and Grand Hog Day. And once again, Council Fair stands up to question the investment strategy. Or is it? More than two years I have questioned the process, the governance and the expertise of our Council in making this huge decision. Conventionally, as we all know, an investor would identify a need, an investable sum, and set out to achieve their investable profile. They would then go to an investment specialist or asset manager, or they would set up their own investment strategy. Only then would they begin to establish their own investment committee or appoint one to carry out their process. What we did do, Chairman, is we noticed, as I'm told early this evening, the storm coming. We recognised the need to fill a hole of 3.5 million. So we rushed out, bought a single asset for 50 million for 50 years. Bold move. I have repeatedly called for due process and coherent investment strategy and today, this is the good news, we have the beginnings of that strategy. We really do. We have also unanimously agreed, I'm told, that members and officers needed additional support, I concur, for external experts to set up and develop the development of an investment portfolio. And this is really good news. So far so good. I have spoken at length with the lead officer involved and I actually must commend him on a good start. This is a good start. But we're still far from where we need to be. We're far from where we needed to have been before we invested the 50 million. But let's give credit where credit is due. We are finally today talking about terms of reference. This is even better news. We're even listening, listing asset classes such as commercial property residents, property bonds and equities and so on. We can, there are more of them, but it's a start. We're talking about geography, we're talking about risk appetite, even ethical limitations. Now we're getting into serious stuff here. And of course, we still need to in include investment time horizons and trigger points, but we're moving in the right direction. Sounding positive, it's a change. Once these parameters have been considered and agreed, our investment committee is better placed to act in accordance with this council's investment objectives. There are even structural elements of the investment strategy to be found in tonight's document. That's important. Structures are very important. The red line 
I point out, and in our case it's the black line, deals with oversight and annual strategy adjustments. Hugely important. It quite, quite correctly places the ultimate responsibility for the investment with the council. One point. It ought to give the investment committees a regular and clear mandate for managing the portfolio. It also envisages regular updates to council for optimal transparency. So we're winning on our transparency and accountability. Once again, good news. But the blue line is not really there. The blue line seeks to address the function of the investment committee and as such makes premature assumptions about the skills of officers and this thing called the ISG, or investment committee. It seems to me that here we're assuming too much about the direction this council wants to move in. It is especially onerous given that we are just three weeks away from a changed administration who then have the burden of the result. Again, in a traditional situation, the roles of the investment committee, or ISG, and the asset team would form part of a single investment committee. And regardless of whether we outsource the portfolio asset management or do it all in-house, they're both there to coordinate the processes for optimal council oversight. It has been argued by some that a better course of action would be to delegate the entire asset management process either to a quasi-sovereign fund or simply to an external professional portfolio manager. And until these options have been explored as to scale, internal costs and quality of oversight, it's a little ambitious, once again, to commit to an internal process. Similarly, the concept of senior management group duplicates the ISG and adds nothing more except complication to the governance, transparency and smooth operating. I'm going to skip all that. The bottom line is we have half of a good thing. And I commend the team for producing it. The first block, the first circle, the red circle, full council, cabinet and investment steering group or investment committee is a very good start. And if we follow the basic rules of investment profiles and so on, we end up with something really worth having. But we shouldn't push our luck. I think after that process, I think we get into sticky water. So I would suggest, I'm glad it's being deferred. I would suggest that if we'd asked you to... To, to rule or vote on this entire document, I find myself abstaining. On the other hand, I must commend once again the officers and the investment portfolio manager for the work we've got to so far. Thank you. Right, well, we need a vote on this, so we have a proposal and a seconder. Sarah, could I ask all those in favour to please show? Happy. Right, those against and those abstaining. <laughs> You'll have to make a decision in May, chaps. <laughs> You might be right. well, that, that is carried. <laughs> so um, we'll move on to item 15, the Governance Audit and Performance <coughs> Annual Report. And could I invite Councillor Oliver, please, to give us this report, which is for <coughs> noting only. Thank you, Chairman. This is the report of the Governance Audit and Performance Committee the annual report of the work they have done in the last year. I lay it before you and commend it to you. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Councillor Oliver. That was very succinct. Um, so could we move on, please, to item 16, which is the Scrutiny Committee report. And could I invite Councillor Dean, please? May, may, may I have your... <laughs> May I have your permission, Madam Chairman, to be not quite so succinct and just to highlight one or two points. Uh, No, no. All I would like to, um, first of all, put forward this report from the Scrutiny Committee. Uh, I'd like to draw your attention to paragraph 14, which is a major piece of work that the committee has been uh, carrying out on affordable housing or more to the point as uh, one of the bullet points in paragraph 14 says truly affordable housing we've been working very well councillor redfern has been uh, very much involved and i think the the outcome on that is good in that we've commissioned i, I believe the decision went through an executive decision to appoint um, consultants to come up with a report as to how we can deliver what this report terms truly affordable housing and it was quite interesting to hear the Youth Council earlier talking about their uh, involvement in in this matter which I commend most strongly. The other point I'd like to bring to your attention is that the piece of work that we had carried out by the Centre for Public Scrutiny quite some time ago now uh, finally came to I won't say conclusion, but came to an important stage in that uh, Councillor Howell and I put together or put forward a memorandum of understanding between scrutiny and the Cabinet to improve interworking between the two. That has been approved by both parties, so that's in place. But of course, the real proof is putting it into practice and there's certainly some um, improvements that I'm sure that the council, that the new committee can put in place to uh, perform even better than, than the present committee. For instance, the report did say that uh, scrutiny doesn't provide sufficient impact at the moment and that the cabinet is not sufficiently visible or accountable. So uh, there, are, there are matters to be worked on, and they're, and they're recognised in the MOU. And the other piece of work that's ongoing, or that's only just begun at preliminary stages, is the one to review major planning applications, which was triggered by the um, concerns about the way the recent airport application was handled. So, so in Summing up, what I'd like to do is really to to thank both the committee, to thank the officers who have, um, the primary officers who have supported us, and they're Richard Orty and Ben Ferguson, and there is going to be a transition of of responsibilities in due due course, so I um, commend this work and the the improvement (coughs) work to those officers and to the new committee in the new council and so with that Madam Chairman I'd like to move the report. Thank you. Thank you very much Councillor Dean. Um, item 17 is the corporate <coughs> plans. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. Councillor Light. 
Thank you. May I comment on that, please? Uh, something I would like to add. Um, as a member of the Scrutiny Committee, we have indeed covered a lot of ground this year, and I welcome the, both the critical appraisal and the resultant intent to approve how it works. However, I do have a, a concern, and I have to express some disappointment and dismay at the length of time that the review um, into major planning applications is actually taking. Uh, we requested this originally in November uh, last year, and after a few meetings and some iterations of the scoping document, we agreed uh, in January uh, at the Scrutiny Committee meeting to establish a working group and uh, commission an independent review. But I, I remain concerned that five months have gone by and virtually nothing has been achieved. Um, we are accountable as members to the residents of Uttlesford and have to ensure that the practice and process of planning consistently meet the highest standards of professionalism probity and of transparency and if the planning process is not above reproach then this council may be liable to costly litigations I'd raise this question so why is it taking so long and if important decisions like uh, establishing investment strategy although that is now taking time I'm pleased to see um, and decisions on uh, standard airport application are being uh, pushed through in days why are we subject to such long delays and uh, the purpose of this is really to comment that this is such an important review and um, I would like to see that this moves forward this month. Thank you. Did you wish to respond? <coughs> I had hoped to have um, got hold of an update on the progress in preparation before tonight's meeting but um, as far as I know Mr Orty who is handling that is on leave at least these two days of this week so unfortunately I'm not, I'm not up to date as to what's happened I think it's fair to say that the main reason for the it taking longer than it might have done is, is the fact that the I, I guess the, the planning application that triggered this study although it won't be the main the, the, the only subject of the study is the planning application on the airport that's still a live application and so it's a sensitive matter as to how that's handled um, but, but I will I will be well I've written to Mr. Orty uh, I think it was on at the weekend asking for a report and I'm sure I'll get it and I will circulate that as soon as I do receive it Right, thank you. We're well, moving on then to item 17, which is the corporate plan delivery progress report. Could I ask Councillor Rolf to present that? I beg your pardon. We need to extend the meeting time, Chair. Could I have your agreement to extend the meeting, hopefully by not so long tonight? Could you have a show of hands, please? Thank you. Councillor Rolf. So, uh, delighted to move the Corporate Plan Delivery Plan Progress Report Annual Report. Draw your attention to paragraph 10, which highlights uh, some of the areas of good progress. And I just want to finish on a positive note um, and uh, across uh, the House note. Last Friday, and it, it sort of comes into the corporate plan update, uh, but I'm extending, uh, there's, there's a little bit of license in this. But last Friday, um, myself and John Lodge attended something in uh, Saffron Hall called Together in Sound, which 
was incredibly moving. It, it had been a 10-week program that had taken place at Ferrycroft House, and the final concert was in Saffron Hall, a, a brilliant institution that we're very pleased to be able to support. Not just because it's a place for wonderful music, but because it did things as it does on Friday, which is to support this concert for people with dementia to come with their families and their carers to produce a sound <coughs> alongside the children of Chesterford Primary School, who after the concert talked with the, um, uh, the, um, the individuals who are part of the dementia group. Um, and that's great in terms of the, uh, the, sort of the, the experience for, for, for both uh, the elderly and, and the young. But the music and some of the songs they sang, you know, you really had to be pretty tough not to sit there and be incredibly moved. And as I say, we were sitting there, we were really proud that Uttlesford had made a modest contribution to this 10-week programme. It is something uh, that uh, is great and I think just sort of sums up uh, the work that this council can do beyond some of the things we've been talking about tonight. And I'll end on that point for my corporate plan. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Rolf. Um, right, finally, we have the draft committee timetable for 2019-20. Um, are we happy with that, or is there any comments? See another side of the no, no, I didn't want to say something other. I just wanted to say something before we took the change. Okay, that's fine. Barker, did you want to say um, something? No, 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 it's just we've got a couple of members in the audience who are going south. You will be aware that Thaxted is closed tonight. You will be aware that Newport Road is closed tonight. So you will have to find a different way home. So just don't take the normal turnings because you'll just be turning round. Okay, well, before we close, um, this is in fact the last scheduled meeting. So I'd like to thank all those members who are retiring from the Council and wish them all the very best for the future and indeed wish everybody all the best for the coming elections. Thank you very much. And I, think, I beg your pardon, I believe Eric you wished to speak. Did you? Thank, thank you, Chairman. Um, as one of those retiring members, I would like to take the opportunity to say a very sincere thank you to Uttlesford District Council for um, allowing me to be a councillor for 12 years and uh, uh, an experience which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I would like to express my gratitude to the staff of Uttlesford District Council throughout those years in the uh, courteous and uh, helpful way that they've always treated um, someone who had no previous experience of local government. So I, I did appreciate the, um, the way in which the officers had dealt with me as an individual and as a councillor. And uh, uh, f f the way the council has been organised to provide this support has, has been uh, exemplary. So I, I would like to put that uh, uh, on record. Also to thank, of course, all my colleagues in, in the council and uh, on both sides of the chamber, whatever side of the chamber it was, everyone has been um, uh, remarkable people to work with and it has been a wonderful experience over the 12 years and I'm just sorry I'm as old as I am and can't do it anymore. So thank you very much, Jim.
concludes the business. So thank you very much, everyone.